Lovely to see you all again uh, this morning, folks. Thank you for being with us. Um, the, 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 these hymns that we, we sing in our first meeting in the choir touches our hearts, and we're just so glad that he's put a new song in our mouths, even praise unto our God. Um, <clears throat> some of you might be wondering what happened to uh, Jeffrey Bull that we uh, spoke about in the earlier meeting. And uh, <clears throat> just to kind of bring that little story to a conclusion, uh, Jeffrey Bull, when the, when the Chinese discovered that they couldn't break his spirit, and they discovered that he was resolute and firm in his faith, that he would not forget Gethsemane, they deported him from China back to England, where he, where he served uh, the Lord for, for, for many years after his return to England. But, you know, what I wanted to tell you was, uh, in spite of all that he had suffered, uh, Jeffrey Bull never, ever lost his sense of humor. It's a nice thing when Christians have a sense of humor. And uh, <clears throat> I, I heard him tell this story himself, so the, st the story is absolutely true. Um, he was traveling on a train one day in England, and just himself and in the carriage was another young man. And the young man was, you know, kind of one of these kind of modern young men with kind of, you know, purple hair and up, 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 in, a, up in a spike and, you know, rings on his ears. And, and, and uh, Jeffrey Bull thought it would be nice to see if he could engage that young man with the message of the gospel. And he said to him, would you mind if I ask you your name? And the young man hesitated a minute, obviously quite, uh, you know, quite shocked that a man of a different generation and different dress would be interested in his name. But all of a sudden, he just uh, almost shouted at Jeffrey Bull, and he said to him, my name is Cow. And Jeffrey Bull said, that's interesting. My name is Bull. <laughs> And so the conversation, the conversation continued, and the gospel was, was introduced. So what a wonderful man he was, and what a joy it is to, to have a good sense of Christian humor. Now, uh, we're, we're going to read perhaps uh, quite a few verses this morning. The first one, if, if you have a Bible, is in the gospel by Luke, please, and in chapter 15. <clears throat> Gospel by Luke chapter 15, and we're going to commence to read at verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent them into his fields to feed swine. 
And he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now our next reading is in the book of the Acts, please. Just a couple of books over the book of the Acts and in chapter 20, chapter 20 of the book of the Acts. Uh, Chapter 20 of Acts, and reading at verse number 17, this is about Paul. And from Miletos, he, that is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And then he gives them this uh, tremendous ministry in the following chapters. So let us look down to the end when he had finished in verse number 36. And when he, that is Paul, had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him Onto the ship. Now, two readings quickly, please, in the Old Testament, in the second book of Samuel, and in chapter 17. The second book of Samuel, chapter 17, and reading at verse number 27. And it came to pass, when David was come to Mahanim, that Shubi, the son of Nahash, of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon, and Machar, the son of Amiel, of Ludibar, and Barzillai, the Gilead of Rosalim, they brought beds and basins, and earthen vessels, and wheat, and barley, and flour, and parched corn, and beans, and lentils, and parched pulse, and honey, and butter, and sheep, and cheese of cane for David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said, The people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now lastly, over to chapter 19 of the same book, please. Second Samuel and chapter 19 and verse 31. And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rosalem and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanim, for he was a very great man. And the king 
said unto Priscilla, I come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Priscilla, I said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with thee unto Jerusalem? Now lastly, look down at verse number 39. And all the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Berzillai and blessed him, and he, that is Berzillai, returned unto his own place. And I would trust the Lord will bless these very precious readings to our hearts this morning. You know, I was excited about this little message this morning, folks, because when I thought about it, I thought to myself, you know, this subject is really, really going to appeal to all the ladies. All the ladies here are going to be appealed and are going to have an interest in this particular subject. Then I thought about it a little bit more and I said to myself, you know, all the men are going to be interested in this as well. So both the ladies and the men are going to be interested in this theme. And I thought a little bit more, and I thought to myself, you know, all the young folks are going to be interested too. Uh, and then I thought to myself, you know, I think the older folks, or maybe those that are not so young, are going to be interested as well. What is this lovely subject? I don't know if you noticed it as we read, but we read about three times in the Bible of the kisses, the kisses of our Bible. I want to speak to you this morning about the lessons that we can learn from the kisses that we have read about in our Bible. The first kiss that we read about was in Luke chapter 15. It's probably one of the, the best known stories in all of our Bible, the prodigal son. And there's two ways I think that you can remember the story of the prodigal son. The first way that you remember him is this. He's a boy that was sick of home. He was sick of home. He had been brought up very constrained. There were certain things that he couldn't do. There were certain restrictions that were in his life. There were certain places that he couldn't go. And he was sick of home. And he was sick of restraints. And he was sick of his father's restraining hand upon him. And there, came, there comes that day when he takes his journey into the far country and the Bible says he wastes his sustenance on riotous living. A young man that was sick of home. But as we read down, a tremendous change comes over the prodigal son. The young man who was sick of home. What happens to him? He becomes homesick. First of all, he's sick of home. And he can't wait to get away because far off fields look green. But it's all a disappointment to him. The sinfulness of it all and the wickedness of it all and the emptiness of it all. And he begins to think of home. And he becomes home sick. And you know, friends, I just wonder today, and we've had conversations already this morning, there are parents in this hall this morning that of a prodigal boy. Maybe some of a prodigal girl that are away from home. I believe that those who are sick of home 
I believe there comes a time under the good hand of God when those same boys and girls will become homesick and long and yearn for home. They learn that a father's love, you can't do without it. They learn that a mother's prayers, you miss it. A mother who will comfort you and care for you. And a father who will guide you through the difficult choices of life. No wonder this young man became homesick and he decides to go home. And you know, one of our brethren at home was reading this story this one day from the Bible. And he read the verse that we have read. And he read it this way. He said that when the father saw him, he ran and he fell on his neck and he kicked him. That's what he read. And he read it deliberately. He said that's what he deserved. And that's what he expected. But in the gracious love of the Father's heart, when he was a great way off, he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. What do I want to call this kiss this morning? My brother, my sister, I want to give it a little title that you might carry it with you through the week that lies before us now. I want to call it the kiss of forgiveness. The kiss of forgiveness. Oh friends, what a wonderful thing it is in life to have been forgiven. To have been forgiven for all our sin and for all our transgressions and for all our turning away from God to have had that kiss of forgiveness. There's a wee hymn that we sing at home sometimes. It goes like this. It says, Though, though clad in rags, by sin defiled, the Father hath received His child, and I am pardoned, reconciled, O Lamb of God, in Thee. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have had in life the kiss of forgiveness. Now I want to tell you folks, there are kisses in life. I can see you're all listening. <laughs> Everybody's listening this morning. There are kisses in life that we never forget. You know, whenever that veil is lifted for the first time and the gentleman says, you may kiss your wife, you know, you never ever forget that kiss. And there's other kisses in life that we carry with us, that we cherish, that we never forget. If I could just mention one personally, when my own dear father went into hospital, he hadn't been very well. And the nurse in charge, I don't know that I, I've often thought about it, but I don't know that I really took it in when she said to us, you know, she said, your father's illness is, is ir irrecoverable. That was the words that she used, irrecoverable. I'm not sure that I took it in. But I decided that I would spend as much time as I could with my sick father when he was in the hospital. I have two younger sisters and they had young children. And often at night time, Often at night time, they would go and get the children, their young children, to bed. And 
My boys were older, so I was able to stay alone. Many's a time I sat with my father, the tears running down my face. You know, my father wasn't, he wasn't one of what we would call at home, I don't know if you use the expression or not, a kind of touchy-feely kind of person. Uh, he wasn't that kind of person at all. In fact, I, I could honestly say, I never remember my father ever kissing me in life. Never once. But he was a loving father. And I loved him with all my heart. And one night when he and I were alone in that hospital bed, I took him by the hand and I said, Dad, it was a great night as a boy of 16 that you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and that you ever told me in life that I needed a Savior if ever I was going to be in heaven. And I want to thank you for that. And as he lay in that bed, he was unable to answer me. But unashamedly today, I'll tell you, I kissed him on his brow. And I thanked him for the father that he was. And I'll tell you this, folks, in life, I'll never, ever forget that kiss. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad that I did it in the quietness of that room, unseen by anyone, just he and me alone. I'll never, ever forget that kiss. But listen, friends, this morning, there was a better kiss in my life. There was a kiss one night when I bowed at my bed, sighed, and in repentant faith, I looked to Calvary by faith, and I thanked the Savior for dying for me on Calvary's tree, for shedding His blood, and paying the debt that I never could have paid. And that night, I received the kiss of forgiveness. The kiss of forgiveness. You know, friends, I want to ask you before we pass on, I wonder, has everyone here had that kiss of forgiveness? No, I'm not, I'm not so much interested in whether you know it's you, you, you're, you're a member of a church or I'm not so much interested in whether you're in a choir or, or whether you read your Bible every day. I'm just wondering, is there everyone here that has had that kiss of forgiveness? It would be a wonderful thing. It would be a wonderful thing if someone would know that kiss of forgiveness even in a meeting like this for the first time this morning. The kiss of forgiveness. But then we come to Acts chapter 20 that we read about, and this touched a little chord in my heart as well, you know, because this is Paul, and he's leaving the elders, he's leaving Ephesus, he's leaving the church. It's a wee bit like we feel when we're leaving, when we're going home. There's a sadness in our heart, there's an emptiness in our heart, and we can kind of empathize with what was happening in Acts chapter 20. Only this was worse in Acts chapter 20 because Paul was never going to come back again. They sorrowed because they would, they would see his face no more. It was the last time they would ever see him. 
And we read, didn't we, how that they fell on his neck and they kissed him. The elders kiss. The first one was the kiss of forgiveness by the Father. This was the elders kiss. And I'm going to give you a little title to remember that if you can. The elders kiss of forgiveness. Or sorry, of, of, of the elders kiss of fellowship. A kiss of fellowship. They had already received the kiss of forgiveness. And now they were going to receive the kiss of fellowship. Brothers and sisters, what a wonderful thing it is in a troubled world, in a broken world, to have experienced the kiss of Christian fellowship together. I want to tell you today the friends that we have in Christ, the friends that we have in our church fellowship are better and deeper than the friends that ever we had in the world before we were saved at all. And in our own experience, my faith is with me today, Anne. We came to a crisis in our Christian life of fellowship. We weren't sure what to do. We weren't sure where to go. We went along one Sunday morning to a little church building on the shores of County Antrim on Belfast Walk. We sat down together as a number of dear Christians took the emblems to remember the Lord Jesus until He come. And afterwards, I said to my wife, these shall be our friends. This shall be our fellowship. We shall continue here until the Lord shall come. The blessedness of the kiss of fellowship. And we spoke to the elders and they were happy that we would join that little company. What a joy it was to receive that kiss of fellowship. My friends, here's another little query again this morning. If we have received that kiss of forgiveness, have we all received this kiss of fellowship? You see, it never was in the mind of God that we should conduct a solo run to heaven. No one, God doesn't want us to be mavericks on the journey, the Christian journey of life. He wants us to be part of a fellowship that we can contribute to and that where we can be helped and encouraged and when we can encourage one another. Hebrews 10 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. These shall be my friends. So it's wonderful to have that kiss of forgiveness, but it's wonderful too to have that kiss of fellowship. Now there's a last kiss that we read about, and you know this amazed me as I thought about it. And again, I was in Ireland whenever I heard our dear brother Adel here speaking on Brazilii, that he was a very great man. And the background to uh, 2 Samuel 17, this is David 
in his day of rejection. David has been rejected. He has had to flee. What does it remind us of? Does it not remind us that our Lord has been rejected? And by the world is owned. By the many still neglected and by the few enthroned. The Lord has been rejected. David was rejected. And he fled into the wilderness from the hand of Absalom, his son. But you know what encouraged my heart was this, that in those days of rejection, there were three men that loved him. And there were three men that showed him love and care. It's interesting, I'll not go into it now, but if you get a chance to read it in your own private devotions in 2 Samuel 17 to 19, you will see there were three men that let him down. Three men let him down. But there were three men that loved him. And brothers and sisters, in these days when the king is rejected, we love him still. We are on the Lord's side. In spite of what the majority might say, we are on the Lord's side. We love him still. And these three men, the first one, was Shubi. <laughs> Only time Shubi is ever mentioned in the Bible. And you know what it says? It says he was an Ammonite. And Ammonites were the enemies of the people of God. He was an enemy. But he's on David's side. He's on the side of the rejected king. Brothers and sisters, we were all enemies in our minds by wicked works but we received the kiss of forgiveness. And we're just like Shubi. We love him still, the rejected king. And then there was another man called Makar of Lodibar. And he was a man that showed kindness. You remember that, Lodi, that Makar was the man that brought Mephibosheth, the lame boy, the son of Jonathan. He showed kindness to, he showed kindness to Mephibosheth. And now he's going to show kindness to David too. Did you look at that list of food that they brought him in 2 Samuel 17? You know what I was thinking this week? It was, it was the Cheesecake Factory. And it, and it was the Outback Steakhouse. And it was the Lazy Dog all in one. What a list of food they brought to David and his weary men. And the last one was Brazilii, and he was a very aged man. He was 80, 80 years of age. Is there an older Christian here? And you think that you think that there's nothing more to be done. I want to tell you the Lord used Brazilii when he was 80 years of age. And I want to encourage some of you who are not so young this morning that the Lord is still able to use you even though you might be even in the age of Brazilii. And what I want to come to is this kiss. Because David says to Brazilii, after David has defeated Absalom and he's going back to Jerusalem and he's going back to his throne and he's going over the Jordan, he says to Brazilii in chapter 19, he says, 
He says to Brasilia, I want you to come with me, and I want you to share my honors in Jerusalem. Brasilia says, no, I'm going to dwell in my own city. I'm going to be buried with my father and my mother, and I'm going to stay in my own place, and I'm not going to go to Jerusalem. And you know what David does? David kissed him. David kissed him. What was it? It wasn't the kiss of forgiveness because he had nothing to be forgiven for. It wasn't the kiss of fellowship because the two were going to separate forever. Do you know what it was? It was the kiss of reward. The kiss of reward. David was going to reward the faithfulness and kindness of Brazilii with a kiss of reward. Brothers and sisters, it amazes me that not only have we been saved, saved from an awful judgment, saved from a sinful world, but when we, do, when we live our Christian lives and do what God has asked us to do, isn't it amazing that in the future, there's a day of reward. Because we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ in the day of reward. It amazes me that we're going to be rewarded. You know, there's a wee hymn that we sing at home again and it says about that day, it says, deeds of merit as we thought them he will tell us where but sin, but little acts we had forgotten. He will tell us where for him. You know that wee letter that you wrote? You know that wee phone call that you made? You know that wee visit that you made that you never told anyone about? Just a cheer, just a little word in the quietness. Nobody saw it. He will tell us where for him. There's three things I, I, I finished. There's three things that are going to be examined at the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says we're going to receive, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ when we shall receive the things that are done in the body. Things that are done in the body. You see, brethren and sisters, brothers and sisters, we're going to be examined on the way we have lived in the body. The kind of people that we really are, not the kind of people that others think we are. How humbling that is. Is it any wonder that we used to sing with the wee boys and girls? Be careful, little hands, what you do. And be careful, little feet, where you go. And be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because there's a Father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because it's all going to be examined at the judgment seat of Christ. The things done in the body. And then in Romans 14, in verse 10, 
It speaks about, why dost thou judge thy brother, or set it not thy brother? For we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not so much what we've done in the body. This is how we've loved our brothers. Do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? We need to be careful because we're all different. Sometimes we have little side effects and sometimes little problems. That's going to be examined at the judgment seat of Christ. How easy it is. Thank God it's easy to make up to sometimes. There was a wee brother in our fellowship and he took ill and somebody dropped a little envelope in through his door one day with some money in it. And Sunday morning he came to me I got a very, very hearty handshake. I said, what's that big handshake for, David? He said, uh, he said it's for that money that you put in through the door. I said, David, I, I, I didn't put any money in through the door. Oh, he says, you did, I know you did. I said, no, it wasn't me. But you see, somebody else is going to get the reward for that at the judgment seat of Christ. Little acts we had forgotten, he will tell us where for him. So we're going to be examined as to the things done in the body. We're going to be examined as to how we love our brothers. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to be examined on what we have put into the building. The body, our brothers, the building, whether we build in gold and silver and precious stones. We were up in Sacramento this week. We saw gold mined in the hills of Sacramento. How lovely it looked. Are we putting those kind of things into the building? Things that will really last. Things that are really precious. Or are we putting in wood? That's just commercial value. No spiritual value. Hay. That's just for the carnal appetite. Or stubble. You know what stubble is? Stubble is just rubbish. Just absolute rubbish. What are we putting in? Because all these things are going to be examined at the judgment seat of Christ. Now friends, it's lovely to have received the kiss. The kiss of forgiveness. It's lovely to have received the kiss of fellowship and to be all together. But listen, what a thing it will be to stand before the one with nail-pierced hands and to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into thy rest and receive from him the kiss of reward. May we all aim to have that kiss when traveling days are done. So we just commend ourselves to the Lord. Father, we're thankful again today for that kiss of forgiveness. We never deserved it. But in grace, the Lord forgave us all our sin. And we're thankful to have been brought into the very family of God. And thankful to have been brought into the Christian fellowship. How sweet it is, the fellowship of one another, to love one another, to cherish one another, to help one another, to guide each other in the journey of life. We're thankful for Christian fellowship. And Lord, we're humbled today to know that 
that one day, soon the Lord's coming, and then, then we're going to receive these rewards that we have been reminded of, and to receive that kiss, that kiss of reward. Lord, we'll look forward to it, and we'll pray that the Lord might help us to put our very best into our Christian witness and into our Christian assembly, into our Christian fellowship, that we might be worthy of him when the day of reward comes. So receive our thanks for us being together. Keep us all safe until we meet again as we commit ourselves into your care and we do it in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.